What's happening, y'all? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts today. Uh, this is Monday, so that means we have a whole weekend wrap-up to go over. Uh, this will, uh, there's a lot of talk, a lot, there's a lot to talk about today. So let's get right into it, of course, with the word on the street. And it, it sounds as though uh, unemployment is down, but the jobs are, the jobs suck. And it's not, it's not really worth you wasting your time over. Uh, the job quality index shows that there is an increase in low quality jobs and that skilled trade work uh, such as manufacturing is being replaced uh, with lower hourly wages and more positions in these jobs. Uh, hospitality, and I will expand to say even customer service and retail are the largest working sectors in America. Uh, these employ about 14.7 million people uh, and these jobs pay about an average of 17 uh, sorry 1658 which we know in a state like California is nothing in a state like New York New York is nothing in the majority of states and major cities it's nothing because we've already talked about the, the median income per capita in many of these cities in a lot of these different states so we already know that uh, workers are guaranteed to work about 25.8 hours a week so not even 30 and well below the average 40 of a full-time worker and of course when you add a significantly less pay of course when you add significantly less pay to uh, significantly less hours your paid your take-home pay is nothing uh, the average weekly income for workers in America is four hundred and twenty seven dollars who cares if there's a, a lot of jobs available when they're not paying you anything this is the thing the main thing I've been telling you people they're always telling us some report. Oh, the government or uh, these, not necessarily the government, mind you, because it has nothing to do with the U.S. government. This is all corporations. Corporations added all together, all together uh, decided to add a certain number of jobs, but the jobs pay nothing. The jobs are not, uh, first of all, the jobs aren't even, in a lot of cases, um, Especially nowadays, uh, especially in this season, especially even in, 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 you know, depends on the season. A lot of the work you're coming across is seasonal. There's a bunch of seasonal work. There's a bunch of part-time work. So you tell me what these what these workers are getting. What are we getting out of working? Uh, now, health insurance in these part-time jobs, uh, I happen to be uh, blessed in a situation in which I have, I do have uh, health insurance. I will I, I will say that, but the majority of uh, work of people that work these jobs are are uh, either given limited uh, health care or no health care at all. You tell me what is the purpose of working when you're not even getting health insurance to prevent against uh, prevent against an injury, or you're not getting enough adequate insurance to eat, to cover in a case of a major injury. What is the point? Who cares if we're adding a whole bunch of jobs? And see. <clears throat> I think we get too far caught up on the, on the actual fact that the jobs were added. Oh my God, we have these jobs. Uh, we're working again. We don't start to we don't stop to think. Well, how much are we getting paid, and what are we getting paid in in uh, in, in regards to how much the cost of living is? It doesn't match. Uh, for the first time uh, since 1972, uh, the average, I believe, the average pay raise has finally, finally matched up against uh, the more uh, the mortgages at 3.8 percent. Uh, how much? I guess how much are people paying uh, for uh, mortgages? So that's that's jumped three percent. Uh, so. There is some positives there, but in reality, uh, the majority of these jobs are non-supervisor, non-managerial. Uh, they're not even necessarily, uh, we could say, what's the word, permanent employment. 
again a lot of these jobs i'm gonna keep saying especially during this time of year are seasonal they are temporary that's the only way that they'll hire a lot of these people that's how it's been done that's how it's been done for years and they've been hiding this do not do not believe the hype a job is nothing if it's not paying your bills i'm sorry i you can you can you can stress to me the importance of this economy and how far we come along by by simply saying well people are being hired but again, if people aren't getting by, if people aren't being able to pay bills, which has always been the case, then who cares? Uh, on top of that, for 81 high quality jobs, for 81, for every 81 high quality jobs, they want, or there are 100 jobs. There are 100 jobs. That's the ratio. There are 100 low paying, low quality jobs out there for every, for just every 81 high, for every group of 81 quality jobs. There's far more low paying jobs that are not helping nobody. So what's the point? I mean, I, I, I do not, I, again, we're living in a situation where we, where we pretty much, we stripped, uh, our, our economy. We, we, um, what we've done is uh, we've made it so pretty much all we do here in terms of the industries is what is our industry? What are America's industries? Uh, customer service. We see hospitality here, uh, non-trade skills, uh, you know, skills that you can uh, eventually, you know, manipulate or have somebody else do it for cheaper. Uh, they're not trades. They took all the trades. Again, they, they've taken a lot of the trade jobs out of here. Uh, trade and education. Trade education is around. Don't get me wrong. You can still go to trade school and all that but with the working and, and the working hours that they give you and the pay that they give you. Can you afford it? Uh, and if you want to really be in a position to afford anything where well, you have the time, because at that point you have to work a 40 hour with the weight in which they're paying you, you'd have to work a 40 hour work. So a lot of people do not have the opportunity to either afford or they don't have the opportunity in terms of time to educate themselves. Because in reality, that's where that's where the that's where the increase in pay is going to be. They're not telling you this, but if you really want to jumpstart your career, if you really want to jumpstart some type of pay, you need to either get some type of skill or have a degree. They're not telling you this. You think that just you working at a certain job for four or five years is going to guarantee you that? No, no. You're guaranteed, you're, all you're guaranteed of is that they have the ultimate authority over what they want to do with you. That's it. That's it. So, um, these the, uh, again, there's a lot of jobs, but they're not going to pay you anything. You're not going to take anything home, and you're not going to work any hours, and you're not getting any skills for it, and they're, and they're, uh, they're replaceable jobs. They're a job that they're looking uh, to replace people at, because they're going to keep, they're going to try to keep those jobs at low wages, and the more, and the, more, and the longer you stay, the more, the more salary you command, the more they're going to expect more from you, and the minute you slip, they're going to try to cut you. That's what they do. That's what this ruthless, uh, this ruthless money grabbing capitalist society in a way does. That's and this is the way in which capitalism fails. I'm sorry, if you're work, I don't care what, I don't care what facet of work you do. If you're above the age of 21 years old, you need to be working for a living wage. And if you're not making a living wage, and you're wasting your time working, I suggest you either get back in school, you either pick up a trade, or you start your own business. There's only one, three ways about it. Working is a trap. Sorry working for especially especially for uh my non-white men non-white believe me yes you're wasting your time because they're they're a lot of times they're paying you less than everybody off the bat anyways um and coupled with the fact that you know in a lot of these cases if you're working part-time you're not giving health insurance like that i i wouldn't do it 
I would suggest if you if you got if you got the if you got the the the, the wherewithal, you got the attention span, I'd say go to school. Go to school for a couple of years, get you an AA, just to have a little bit more, or go to a trade school. I'm serious. Or if, if you really if you really want to feel bold and bad, uh, take some of the skills that you know and apply that to your own uh, side hustle or something like that, your own side project. Maybe take a, a a hobby that you have. You can you can do something with that. You're better off. You you are better off making a career out of a hobby than making a career out of your job. With with the way that they're doing this, this is this is just coming from uh not only from the, the stats that I read and the numbers that I read. This is from somebody who's been working uh part time or full time at one point or another since he was about 21 years old. 20 21 years old. Believe me, it's it's a trap. You're you're again again. This is why we're. This is why I'm here to this day, making this uh, this podcast, and we're over a year in. I know we're over 200 episodes. Believe that. This is what drives me. I know a lot of people might not want to hear that, but that's why I give you the self testimonials as well. Because the stats, uh, sometimes stats, they hear those and you go, whatever. Yeah, but I'll hit you with a little bit of uh, some experience as well. But anyways, I'm gonna call, uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking uh, some. Some football. We'll begin into the uh, the weekend. We have some college football action to go to uh, go through. We have conference championship games. We have one final playoff ranking to go over. Uh, and then uh, later on in the week for college football, we'll be talking about those ball games and some of those matchups. Uh, we'll be talking about the playoff matchups as well. But for now, uh, when I come back from break, we'll just be talking about what happened during the weekend, all the conference championship games, and then we'll be breaking down that last uh, final uh, playoffs ranking. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right. What is going on? I'm going to be breaking down some college football action, of course, from the entire weekend, uh, starting in Friday, starting on Friday with the Pac-12 Conference Championship. I also got a couple new stories to go over as well. So let's get into it with the action. Like I said, on Friday, uh, the Pac-12 Championship, number five, Utah, goes down to number 13, Oregon. Uh, the final score in this one is 15-37. to Both teams finish the year, at least the regular season, at 11-2. Let's break down the stats in this one. And on offense, Utah was led by quarterback Tyler Huntley, who went 17 to 29 for 193 yards. He also threw for two touchdowns and two interceptions. On the ground, running back Zach Moss will lead the way with 113 yards. He also had 57 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. And uh, wide receiver Samson Nakua will bring in a touchdown catch as well. On defense, the youths were led by linebacker Francis Bernard, who had 10 total tackles. Linebacker Devin Floyd, uh, Devin. Lloyd, excuse me, who had uh, nine total tackles and a sack, and also defensive back Terrell Burgess with that 12 total tackles as well. Uh, for Oregon on offense, they were led by quarterback Justin Herbert, who had 15 to, sorry, 14 to 26 for 193 yards and a touchdown. Running back CJ Burdell would have 208 rushing yards and three touchdowns. And wide receiver Johnny Johnson III would have six catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. On defense, uh, the Ducks got a great game from safety Brady Beat. Brady Breeze, excuse me, who had nine total tackles and a sack. And this is coming off of uh, a very poor, well, I wouldn't say a poor start from him. It could have been a poor start from him because they wanted that to, they wanted to call a targeting play on him pretty early in the game. That might have put him in some significant trouble. But uh, he was actually all right and was able to come through with the Ducks with a turnover. Uh, defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau would have five total tackles and two and a half sacks. And linebacker Troy Dye would have eight total tackles and an interception. A couple takeaways 
plays from this game. Oregon with, of course, five total sacks on Utah. Um, Utah is pretty much, uh, and with this loss, uh, Utah has been pretty much, well, it was eliminated from all playoff consideration, of course. Uh, we will talk about the final playoff rankings in just a little bit. Uh, but again, they were eliminated from playoff contention with the loss. And Utah will be outscored, uh, will be outscored, actually outscored the Ducks, who actually, uh, I'm sorry, in the third quarter, Utah actually outscored the Ducks 15-3 in the third quarter, uh, but then they would gain zero yards and zero points in the fourth quarter. So that was the biggest factor there. I actually saw this game from beginning to end. Um, there were actually a couple of times in which Utah had a chance to even uh, either take take the lead or at least uh, be in a better position in the game. Uh, they didn't really force any turnovers like that, but again, just solid defensive play. Uh, they were able to get a lot of three and outs, especially in that third quarter. And one unpopular opinion that I'm going to have right now, and I'm going to share it with you, uh, through the course of this game and through the course of watching this season, to be honest with you, I'm not convinced that Justin Herbert is a first-round draft pick, uh, especially in that third quarter. He threw like seven, eight straight incomplete passes in a game that's that so much is on the line now. Of course, uh, the Ducks had already lost a previous week. Uh, they lost, uh, we had lost to Arizona State, which put us out of the national championship conversation, but we still had a lot riding in this game again you had a conference championship and on top of that you have a, ch a chance to get into the rose ball which is a prestigious ball game so there's a lot on the line in this game i just don't feel that in my in my personal opinion i don't feel like justin herbert has really exceeded all expectations this year as a passer he's looked very inconsistent especially in games where it really mattered in the arizona game he threw a lot he threw a lot of bad passes, a lot of very complete passes. He was part of the reason why we stalled so much offensively throughout the course of that game. And that game against Arizona State is the deciding factor of what, you know, of why we're here in this point of the season. Instead of a instead of, instead of having a Rose Bowl, we could have been in a national championship. And I think that's it has a lot to do. We could, we could blame play calling, we could blame the offensive coordinator, uh, Arroyo. Uh, but I think a lot of that has to do with our quarterback and Justin Herbert. In my opinion, he is not solidified itself as a first round draft pick in my eyes sorry that's my unpopular opinion for the day but let's move on uh we got some action of course on saturday uh we got in the big twin top big 12 title excuse me uh number seven oklahoma uh, sorry number six oklahoma gets it done overtime against baylor 30 to 23 is the final score there of course baylor will finish that game uh the number 17 in the nation uh at the time oklahoma was number six uh and both uh as far as both how both teams finished finished the regular season oklahoma finishes the regular season at 12 and 1 and baylor finishes at 11 and 2. We're going to break down the stats in this one as well. Uh, for for Baylor, excuse me, on offense, they were led by quarterback. Uh, well, actually, uh, Charlie Brewer would get the start, but he would suffer a head injury and would uh, basically be pulled from the game. He would only go, he would only go three, of, uh, 3 of 6 for 15 yards. The backups, Jerry Bohannon, would go 4 of 15 for 56 yards and a touchdown. And Jacob Zeno would go 2 of 6 for 159 yards and a touchdown. On the ground, the Baylor Bears were led by John. Love it who had just 19 uh total rushing yards. Uh, sorry, um, I'm sorry, yes, 19 total rushing yards. Uh, but running back Tristan uh Tristan E. Ebner would have two catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. And wide receiver Tyquan Thornton would have a receiving touchdown as well. On defense, Baylor was led by linebacker Jordan Williams, who would have 13 total tackles and an interception. 
uh, safety Chris Miller, who had uh, 13 total tackles. Linebacker Terrell Bernard, who had 12 total tackles. And defensive tackle James Lynch, who had five total tackles and, a, and two sacks. Excuse me. For Oklahoma, they were led offensively by a quarterback, excuse me, Jalen Hurts, who was 17 to 24 with 287 yards. He also had a touchdown and an interception. Running back Kennedy Brooks would have 59 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Running back Ramon J. Stevenson would have 48 yards and a touchdown. And wide receiver C.J. Lamb would bring in eight catches for 173 yards. And wide receiver Nick Baskin would have a receiving touchdown. On defense, the Sooners were led by Con- uh, sorry, were led by linebacker Kenneth Kenneth Murray, who had 10 total tackles in a sack. Also, safety DeLarian Turner Yale, who had eight total, t- eight total tackles. They also got help from linebacker Nick Bonito. Uh, for uh, they also got help from linebacker Nick Bonito, who had five total tackles and one and a half sacks. And Oklahoma has a team of boys five total sacks, uh, five total sacks on their own. Uh, so a, a couple takeaways from this game: uh, the, the Baylor, I'm sorry, the Sooners would just hold Baylor to 100. And, I'm sorry, to 265 yards total throughout the game. In the first half, Baylor would actually have a lead, though, uh, 13-10 after forcing two turnovers, a fumble, and an interception. However, Jalen Hurts will be uh, kept to also uh, Jalen Hurts will also be kept to a season low in rushing yards at 38. But it just wasn't enough. Um, I think near the end of the game, Oklahoma started to really flex that defense, which they've had a lot of flag. They get they got a lot of flag over the past few years. Uh, but in the fourth quarter, they made some great plays, uh, some intercept. I think. Uh, a, a, a timely interception uh, and they just again Oklahoma's defense played a lot better than they've ever played in the past couple of seasons and I think you know this was a deciding factor in why they won uh, but let's move on uh, we're going to move to the Sun Belt Conference one of the smaller uh, not as well known conferences here uh, but Appalachian State was able to get the W in this one 45 to 38 they are the number 20, 21 team in the nation they got this win against Louisiana Lafayette uh, I think Louisiana Lafayette finishes the year at 10 and 3 uh, Appalachian State finishes at 11 and 2 let's break down the stats in this one starting with Louisiana Lafayette on offense they got they were led by quarterback Levi Lewis he would go 24 of 46 for 300 54 yards. He would also throw four touchdown passes. He would also throw an interception as well. Running back Elijah Mitchell would have 85 rushing yards and a touchdown. He would also have, have a 15-yard receiving catch as well for a touchdown. Um, Wide receiver Peter LeBlanc will be the leading receiver uh, for the Raging Cajuns with three catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. And wide receiver Jamarcus Bradley would have five catches for 58 yards. He would also bring in a touchdown as well. On defense, uh, Louisiana Lafayette was led by Jacques Bordeaux. At the linebacker spot, he would have 13 total tackles. And also linebacker Lorenzo McCaskill, he would have seven total tackles as well. For Appalachian State on offense, they were led by quarterback Zach Thomas. He would have not, he would go 9-17 for 149 yards. He'd also bring in two touchdown passes as well. Running back, uh, tr- uh, sorry, Daytrick Harrington would have 89 yards on the ground and also a touchdown. Marcus Williams Jr. would also have 78 rushing yards and a touchdown. And Darrington Evans, the MVP of the game, would have 73 rushing yards and a touchdown. He also would bring in 63. He would also have 63 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. On defense, um, 
Appalachian State was led by defensive back Desmond Franklin, who had eight total tackles, linebacker Akeem Davis, who had 10 total tackles, and defensive back Josh Thomas, who had five total tackles and an interception. Uh, for Appalachian State, this is their fourth straight uh, conference title. Appalachian State will gain over 416 yards in total offense and also 267 rushing yards. And like I said, uh, Darrington Evans was the game's MVP for the second straight year. So good look for Appalachian state they'll be looking to play in a significant ball game uh come i think january actually uh they will be playing in a not a new year's six but they'll be playing in something about christmas day so one of them one of those little uh pop uh, pop pretty popular ball but again you know nothing big time of course they didn't make the playoffs uh being in the 20s but they'll, they'll be uh having some fun they'll be able to travel uh that's that's the best thing about a uh, ball of uh, the ball season they get to travel to somewhere like florida somewhere where it's not cold they get a couple weeks to hang out so again they made it to the postseason which is good which is good for anybody uh we're gonna move on to the american athletic conference uh we had number 20 cincinnati taking the l here to number 17 memphis 24 to 29 was the final score here cincinnati finishes the year uh, 10 and 3 excuse me and memphis will finish the year 12 and 1 uh, for cincinnati in this game they were led by uh quarterback desmond ritter who went 16 to 36 for 233 yards he would also throw for an interception but he also had 113 rushing yards he also run for, he would also run for a touchdown as well michael warren the second would also have uh, 99 rushing yards and two touchdowns and wide receiver alec pierce would have five total catches and 87 yards on d Defense, the Bearcats were led by safety Derek Forrest, who had 12 total tackles, linebacker Brian Wright, who had 11 total tackles, and linebacker Perry Young, who had 8 total tackles. For Memphis on offense, they were led by quarterback Brady White, who went 18 of 40 for 253 yards. He also threw for a touchdown. He also threw an interception, but he did have a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, wide receiver Antonio Gibson would have 130 rushing yards and a touchdown. He also caught a touchdown pass as well. And DeMonte Coxey will be the leading receiver for the Memphis Tigers, uh, getting nine catches for 165 yards. On defense, Memphis was led by um, defensive back Sanchez Blake Jr., who had nine total tackles. Defensive back LaAndre Thomas, who had seven total tackles. And defensive back Chris uh, Chris Claybrooks, who had five total tackles and an interception. And for Memphis, this was their third straight uh conference title appearance and their first conference title win so good luck good well good looking on them and kicker riley uh, patterson kept will keep them in the game by uh, by making field goals at 50 and 52 yards out good leg from him and part of the fact definitely part of the part of the factor uh, in which kept uh, which helped them win the game uh moving on to the sec title we got number four georgia taking a, a very bad l here to lsu to number two lsu 10 to 37 was the final score here uh georgia finishes the year at 11 and 2 lsu goes on to finish uh 14 and oh excuse me no losses from them um for Georgia on offense, they were led by quarterback Jake Fromm, who went 20 of 42. Uh, he also had 225 yards. He also threw for a touchdown, but he also threw uh, two interceptions as well. So two bad passes with him. That That's not good. But I'm not surprised that, that happened at all. Running back Brian Herrion will be the leading rusher with just 24 rushing yards. That was part of the reason why as well. No running game from Georgia. Uh, LSU stopped, uh, stuffed it out from the beginning. They were 
stingy all game. And wide receiver George Pickens would have four total catches for 54 yards and excuse me, for 54 yards and a touchdown. On defense, uh, the Bulldogs were led by defensive back Richard LaCourt, who had six total tackles, defensive back Louis Seen, who had six total tackles, and also defensive lineman Devontae White, who had four total tackles and a sack. For LSU, of course, offensive leader were led by quarterback Joe Burrow. The Heisman candidate would go 28-38 uh, for 349 yards and also four touchdowns, uh, pretty much locking in the SEC pa uh, passing touchdowns title. Uh, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I do. I do know it's over 40 touchdowns. I want to say it's either 44 or 45, one of the two. Uh, but on the ground, Clyde Edwards-Alaire would lead the way with 57 yard, rushing yards, excuse me. He'd also have 67, 61 receiving yards, excuse me, and a uh, on seven catches. I believe he caught a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, wide receiver Justin Jefferson would have seven catches and 115 yards. He also had a touchdown to that. Wide receiver Terrence, Mitchell, uh, Terrence Marshall Jr., excuse me, would have five total catches and two touchdowns and Jamar Chase another wide receiver here would have 41 receiving yards and a touchdown on defense the Tigers were led by uh, Jacoby Stevens at the safety position who had seven total tackles defensive back Derek Stingley Jr. who had five total tackles and two interceptions and linebackers Patrick Queen uh, would have six total tackles in a sack and Kayvon uh, Kalevon, excuse me, Chison would have four total tackles in a sack. This is LSU's first conference title since 2001. Georgia would, uh, was also held to just three points in three quarters and just 41 rushing yards. So again, LSU was not playing. This is their this is their year, I believe. Uh, they wanted that national title and they wanted the conference title to start off with. And LSU would only allow 2.86 yards per play. So again, Georgia was not getting no first downs. It was not in the it was not in the cards for the new score a whole lot of points. That's just how it goes. Uh, we're gonna move to the Mountain West. We got uh, number 19 Boise getting the win against Hawaii, uh, 31 to 10 is the final score here. Uh, who, uh, sorry, Hawaii finishes the year nine and four, uh, and Boise State finishes the year just 12 and one. But Hawaii on offense they were led by quarterback Cole McDonald who went 20 of 41 for 241 yards. He also threw an interception. My Miles Reed will lead the way on the ground with 87 rushing yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver Jason Matthew uh, Sharsh would have seven total catches and 74 yards. And wide receiver Jared Stewart would have four catches and 72 total yards. On defense, the Rainbow Warriors were led by Darius Muasal, um, who had seven total tackles, and also defensive back Kuoni. Bethy, who had seven total tackles. For Boise State, uh, they were led offensively by quarterback Jalen Henderson, who went 20 and 29 for 212 yards. He would throw for two touchdowns, but he also threw for a pick as well. On the ground, he would actually be the leading rusher with 51 rushing yards. He would also run for a touchdown as well. Wide receiver Khalil Shakir would have a rushing touchdown, also seven catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown, um, a receiving touchdown. And wide receiver John, uh, sorry, Sorry, John Hightower would have three catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. On defense, the Broncos were led by Tyreek Jones at the safety spot with five total tackles and nose tackle. Show uh, Sonatane Louie, he would have five total tackles and an interception. Uh, not only did the Broncos gain 550. 
Not only did the Broncos gain 518 yards of total offense, they also had two defensive stops within the five yard within uh, within the end zone. So again, uh, took away they scored a lot. They took away uh, points from Hawaii. That's how you're supposed to do a simple point blank. And this was Hawaii's first uh, first conference championship appearance since 2007. And I believe the quarterback back then was Colt Brennan. Let's move on to the ACC title. Uh, we have uh, Clemson, number three Clemson, winning an easy game here against number 23 Virginia, 62 to 17. Uh, Clemson, of course, finishes the year finishes the year, of course, undefeated at 13 and 0. Virginia finishes at nine and four. For Virginia. They were led by quarterback Bryce Perkins on offense. He had two, uh, he went 27 of 43 for 266 passing yards. Uh, he also had two in his, uh, two touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions as well. He would also be the team's leading rusher with 58. Wide receiver Hasise Dubois would have 10 total tackles for 130 yards and also a touchdown. And wide receiver Terrell Jana would have six catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. On defense, the Cavaliers were led by safety Joey Blunt, who had 12 total tackles, and defensive back Heskin Smith, who had 10 total tackles. Uh, for Clemson on offense, they were, of course, led by quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who went 16 to 22 for 302 yards and four touchdowns. Running back Travis Etienne would have 100, 111, actually, I'm sorry, 114 rushing yards and a touchdown. And running back Lynn J. Dixon would have a rushing touchdown as well. Quarterback, backup quarterback Chase Bryce would also run in for a rushing touchdown as well and so would Shaz Malusi their other running back he would have a rushing touchdown as well wide receiver T Higgins would be the MVP of this game uh, getting nine catches for 182 yards and three touchdowns and wide receiver Justin Ross would have 94 uh, 94 receiving yards and a touchdown on defense the Tigers were led by safety Kayvon Wallace, who had nine total tackles. Uh, also, def- uh, sorry, linebacker Isaiah Simmons, who had nine total tackles and an interception. And defensive tackle Tyler Davis, who had five total tackles and one and a half sacks. This is the fifth straight conference title for Clemson. And this is the first team to do this in college football history. Well, at least in Division One. Um, pretty sure that there's like a Division Two school, like maybe Grand Valley State or maybe... Um, Ah, what's the other one that's really good? The other D2 school that's just hella great that just wins every year or used to win titles all the time. But, I mean, there's a couple. I believe there's a couple, like, FCS schools, Division II, Division III schools that have done it. Uh, but in terms of in terms of Division I, um, this is the first time that that has happened. Clemson now has seven conference title appearances and now uh, six wins, which is now more than any uh, – six conference titles, which is now more than any other school in the ACC. I told you the ACC has been having some few down years. I don't know what's going to change there, but they've been having some down times. Uh, wide receiver T. Higgins will set a record uh, for uh, receiving yards and also receiving touchdowns in the ACC championship game, like I said, with 182 yards, uh, also three touchdowns as well. And this was the first conference championship appearance for Virginia. So uh, they did lose uh, significantly, uh, but there is a silver lining because it's possible that they could get better, and it's possible they could be back here next year. So, um, Clemson gets an easy win. That's all you can say. And um, they are—they pretty much pun- well. They did punch their ticket into the playoffs. It was pretty easy for them. And finally, in the Big Time matchup, uh, we had the Big Ten Championship. Uh, number one Ohio State gets the win against uh, Wisconsin. Uh, that final score here uh, was 38 to 24. 
31, uh, 34 to 21, excuse me, uh, for Ohio State offense leader, but led by quarterback Justin Fields, he'll go 19 to 31 for 299 yards and also three touchdowns. Running back J.K. Dobbins ran all over, all over the Badgers for 172 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver Chris Olave would have five total catches and 94 yards. Wide receiver K.J. Hill would have seven receptions and 83 yards and two touchdowns. And tight end Jeremy Ruckert would have receiving touchdown. On defense, the Buckeyes were led by uh, defensive back Damon Arnett, who had six total tackles. And defensive lineman, of course, I've been talking about his name a whole lot. Well, a whole lot the past couple of weeks, but uh, for one reason or another. But Chase Young, uh, he had six total tackles in this one. But Wisconsin on offense, they were led by quarterback Jack Cohen, who had set, who went 17 to 33 for 232 yards. Uh, running back Jonathan Taylor would have 148 rushing yards. He had a pretty monster game as well. He had a couple, he had a couple runs for over 45 yards, uh, 40 yards, excuse me, including one uh, 44 yard touchdown run as well. Uh, wide receiver Quintez Cephas had uh, seven. Seven receptions and 122 yards. Can I, can I, can I be honest? I like the name Quintez. I think I would name my son Quintez. I don't know why I like that name. It's like, it's like, is it Spanish or is it something, <laughs> or is it something we we wanted to make Spanish? But I like it, Quintez. I, I like that name Quintez. <laughs> I can't help it. The, uh, defensive on the defensive end, the, the Badgers. Excuse me, excuse me. I got I got caught up with Quintez's name. I like that. Anyway, <laughs> defensive back. Defense on the defensive end. Excuse me. On defense, uh, the Badgers got help from their two linebackers, Jack Sanborn. Eleven total tackles for him. He also brought in a sack. And uh, linebacker Zach Bond would have eight total tackles and a sack. Uh, this one was crazy because Ohio State was actually down twenty-one to seven at halftime this one i did not see um i did not see this game uh but i was watching the score the scoreboard for this one this is one of those games that i was in and out on um and when i first initially saw that 21 to 7 lead i was like mm, damn that's a hot start from 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 wisconsin excuse me but i kind of felt as though it just it just didn't seem like it was going to stay that way i just i just it's just in my head like damn that's a that's a hot start from wisconsin it'll be a shame if something happened and sure enough something happened um in the second half wisconsin was held to just 138 total yards and zero points uh, 83 of those yards would come just on the final drive with them just trying to drive something down the field and get something. The game was already out of the, out of out of reach at that point. They were already down by two scores, which meant that that would only get them, you know, they would only lose by seven instead of 14. So uh, they gained 83 yards on that last drive alone, but they only gained 138 yards in the second half. Ohio State, I don't know what it, they did. They just turned on the defense and it was a wrap. But defensively, I think Ohio State is the best team in the nation, hands down. That's scary. That's scary. You come down from 21, 21 to 7 in the conference championship game, and then you had the nerve to just hold a team to just 180 yards in the entire second half, and only gave they only gave again 83 of those yards came on that final drive. That's something that just stands out to me. Uh, this will be Ohio State's third straight Big Ten title, and it's the second time in school history they will finish the year. 13 and all. Let's get through some news real quick before we take a quick break. Uh, Florida State has decided to hire a new head coach. Uh, and this, I was wrong about this one. I predicted they would get uh, Bob Stoops, Bob Stoops, former uh, former Oklahoma head coach. Uh, but they decided to go ahead and get a current 
active head coach right now, uh, Mike Norville, the head coach currently for the Memphis Tigers, who I just talked about winning their conference title. Uh, he uh, he will hold. Well, actually, he held his first press conference yesterday around noon. Uh, as a coach, uh, Norville has a record of 38 and 15 in four seasons. Like I said, he recently won the AAC championship with a 12 and one record with Memphis. So. Uh, Again, Florida, they had a they had a tough time with Willie Tiger. They decided to replace him mid well, they decided to fire him midseason. Uh, the Seminoles have finally decided to add a new coach, and it's the Memphis head coach. So uh, Memphis has to let somebody go. But that's and that's and that's kind of the thing. Uh, it's it's just a thing in college football. Uh, a, a a coach from a, a small time a smaller time school, a mid major conference. He has a few good seasons. I think it happens in college basketball too. He'll have a few good seasons there. Take him uh, on a on a wild ride, they'll have a couple ball appearances. Uh, maybe if you uh, it c- turns to college basketball, you can take up to uh, a couple Sweet 16s or something. And then here comes a big time school like Michigan, like oh we want in on this. So Florida State, uh, they've been looking at Mike Norville. Looks like uh, they like what he's done. Uh, 12 and one record at Memphis. That's nothing to sneeze at in my opinion. I mean people can say what they want, uh, but 12 and one anywhere in a conference title anywhere is good. Like not everything. I mean because college football is just, it's just a sport where I mean. Yes, you want to win the national championship, but they give you ball games. They give you a conference championship game. So there's a there's ways to be successful without necessarily having to win the outright championship. So uh, as far as far as I as far as I, I can see, Mike Norville was a pretty successful head coach at this point in his career. You have another coaching signing as well. Uh, we got Ole Miss going to, I'm sorry, Ole Miss. We have Lane Kiffin going to Ole Miss. The Rebels have decided to call on Lane Ken from Florida, Lane Kiffin from Florida Atlantic to replace their incumbent Matt Luke after his season-ending loss to Mississippi State. You do not lose to Mississippi State if you're Ole Miss and vice versa. If you're Mississippi State, you do not lose to Ole Miss a couple, two, three times. Uh, there's just certain rivalry games where they don't play where you, you, can, you can have a winning season. I've seen it happen a couple times. I know in Alabama's history, it's like that. It was one of their coaches. I believe it was Gene Stallings. He had a very great overall record. Uh, I believe he took them to a couple ball games, but they, he refused. Well, he could not get the Crimson Tide over the hump against Auburn. And he was fired after like two or three years. But again, they were pretty solid, but they could not beat their rival Auburn. Rivalry games are like that. This just happens to be like that. You need if you if you have a rival, if you if you're a college football coach. Rivalry game is the most important week of the year. <laughs> if you can't win that, a lot of times it's, it's, it's a deciding factor in which you keep your job. I don't know. This is the way it is. Uh, Lane Kiffin has a has gone. Well, sorry, at at Florida Atlantic, Lane Kiffin has gone 26 of 13, uh, including a 48 to 6 conference championship uh, conference championship game against UAB, aka uh, UA Birmingham. Uh, of course. That team is in Alabama. For those of you who don't know, UAB is the University of Alabama in Birmingham. Just so y'all know, uh, Kiffin has a career record of 61 and 34, including a seven and six stop uh, in 2007 at Tennessee, where he also took them to a Chick-fil-A ball. He also won 28 and 15 at USC. I believe he might have won a conference championship there as well, if I'm not mistaken, or at least uh, appeared in a, a couple of conference championship games in that time. As an offensive coordinator at Alabama, Kiffin will coach three players: Amari Cooper, running back Derrick Henry, and quarterback Jalen. 
Hurts up to the Conference Player of the Year status. So again, uh, he does have some experience with some offensive players. Uh, he does have some good offensive play calling. Um, my only factor with him uh, in terms of what I've always observed from him, I personally never trusted him as a recruiter. I never saw in which he brought in a great recruiting class uh, within the top 10 of 20. And another thing that I never, I never really liked his attitude. Uh, his dad was a great defensive minded coach. Uh, I think he kind of takes a lot of uh, some, I think he, he you know, he's, he's like a very snobby type dude. And he, I think he just relies on the fact or he just relishes the fact that he gets a lot of love because his dad was good. And offensively, he does have a pretty solid play calling mind. I think he just gets over on that. But I don't think, I think overall as a coach, He's just so so. As a coordinator, he's good. Like, there's just some there's just some guys that are just great coordinators and just just okay or barely decent head coaches. He's just one of those guys that I'm not. Again, at Florida Atlantic, you know, it's not a it's not you know a super big time program. A lot of things, you know, they're not super publicized. So, you know, the the micro the the microscope is not super on him. I think when he's a when there's a lot of when there's a lot of cameras and there's a lot of attention going on like you saw with him if you ever if you you know were aware of him what he did at usc a lot of stupid stuff going on a lot of silly stuff a lot of non-coaching related stuff he got uh in trouble for so i'll have to see uh i'm i'm uh my opinion uh the jury is still out on lane kiffin as a coach and finally i want to give you guys an update on your boy to attack of Baloa out of bama uh from what the doctors have said and this is from a quote from him straight up of course we already know about him suffering a dislocated uh, knee a couple weeks ago uh, versus Mississippi State. Uh, this is a quote coming directly from him. Uh, he went on to say, from what the doctors say, they expect a full recovery and I'll be able to go out there and play football again at 100%. It's just that I won't be able to rotate it, and he's referring to his hip, internally the same way. Uh, now, outside of the hip issue, he also needed surgery on his ankle this season, and there is some talk about him either returning to Alabama and playing football or going to the pros and playing football, or even there's even some rumblings about him even playing football in general because of these injuries. Um, and I get it, you know, you bang up your body, there's a way, I mean, and now you're in a situation where your hips are going to be forever different. Um, I totally get it. I totally get it. But if he does decide to go uh, to the pros or if he decides to come back, uh, I mean, he has some talent. Uh, before the injury, Tua would have a completion percentage of 71.4%. He also had thrown for 2,840 yards and he also had 30 three total touchdowns uh during the game versus mississippi state in which the injury occurred the tie quarterback had went 14 of 18 for 256 yards and just two touchdowns already and i believe that was in the second quarter so the man has skills uh the man can definitely play uh the question is now is is he healthy and in his mind does he want to play uh two is currently like i've said currently kind of contemplating headed to the pros in which he can probably play for the Bengals or the dolphins depending on who has a draft pick there and he also like i said return to alabama it's all up to him uh it's all based on his body um and i hope he does take some time away from football and just to get his mind right and to kind of think about what he might want to do because it's not worth i mean if if you feel like it might hamper you 
maybe you might not want to do it but i think there's a way that you can i mean he might not be as mobile but i still think he has the possibility to be a very good quarterback just not as mobile so it's up to him what he wants to do all right y'all i'm going to take another quick break we are almost done we have a couple sections to go through we're gonna uh we're gonna be talking some nfl action uh we're also gonna be talking some nba action from last night and of course we have a heavyweight boxing match to go over as well so we have a few things to talk about but uh we'll get through it and i'll be right back all right y'all i am back um and let's get into some boxing real quick now saturday we had an epic heavyweight championship bout between anthony joshua of the uk and the first latino heavyweight champion andy ruiz of course they were battling for the wbo the wba and the ibf titles uh anthony joshua gets the unanimous decision well he got the unanimous decision victory in this one uh bringing his record to 23 and 1 with 21 ko's anthony ruiz drops to 32 33 and 2 with 22 two knockouts now of course like i said this was won by unanimous decision uh, it was won by a pretty large margin by anthony joshua as well uh two judges had the scorecards 118 to 110 and the other had it 119 to 109 and according to county box numbers uh joshua would outland ruiz 107 to 60 over the 12 round battle now um, a couple takeaways that i got was that joshua definitely did his homework over the last loss of course we already know in the first match he was knocked out at i believe round seven uh by ruiz and it was just a very uh un joshua type of fight uh, i believe he gave up a lot of his he gave up his leverage his size uh and therefore he gave up his power in that fight uh and, and uh one thing he he should not have done was exchanged with a power puncher and he learned from that lesson so in this fight uh joshua did a great job of boxing and moving uh giving uh ruiz angles that he could not throw at he couldn't i mean if you given if you give somebody some movement uh especially a flat-footed fire movement flat-footed power puncher like that a whole lot of movement there's not too much they can do not to take anything away uh from ruiz but joshua just fought a much smarter fight in this one uh, there is the talk of a possible third fight between the two guys. I think if there is one, I think Joshua ends that fight with a knockout. I just think that's the way that it goes. I think Joshua was already the, the higher caliber boxer. I think he just looked over Ruiz the first time around, and he just came in there a little bit unprepared. This time around, he you know he he had. Uh, a chance to think on it. He had a chance to improve, and I think uh, he he actually went home. Uh, he did some homework, and he actually did some work over the training camp. He didn't just say, "Oh, I can come in there with the same game plan and just be motivated this time." No, he actually added some wrinkles uh, to his game. Uh, he actually looked like a, a much more complete boxer in this one. A lot of times, uh, he looks like he comes off as a boxer puncher. Like you know, you know, he has some, he does have some technical skills, but you know that he's he's a big guy. He's a big buff guy, and he knows he's gonna eventually if he can get it he'll go in for a knockout but in this one uh i saw a very patient boxer i saw somebody who was able to use his reach who was able to use his jab and was able to use some, utilize some foot movement as well and again it was a very difficult night for ruiz that's what i saw ruiz got bloodied up uh of course you know joshua didn't knock the guy out but of course there's more than one ways to win a boxing match just like there's more than one ways like i said to skin a cat so you don't always need to knock somebody out to win a boxing match, you know, and sometimes you just need to beat them up and look 
very competent in what you're doing and that's exactly what uh that's exactly what uh joshua did now as far as what's next in terms of the heavyweight division uh, of course you have a big matchup with the second uh well the rematch uh between deontay wilder and tyson fury uh, and i'm pretty sure joshua uh is gonna fight the winner of that uh barring he decides maybe and i think maybe before he does that he'll probably even probably even tune up with Ruiz one more time give you give the fans a trilogy if that's what they really want uh because to be honest outside of wilder outside of tyson fury outside of aj and of course ruiz recently there's not a whole lot of people left really i mean of course you have uh deontay wilder getting done in another rematch against uh ortiz jose ortiz so uh, you know not a whole lot of bodies to go around there's this there's this there's the main guys here in the heavyweight division that's joshua uh ruiz up until saturday night and of course you had tyson fury and wilder so uh, i definitely i definitely know for a fact joshua's gonna be fighting the winner of the deontay wilder uh tyson fury fight uh but let's move on we got some more stuff to talk about we're gonna move on to the nfl uh, we have a interconference matchup. We're going to start off with an interconference matchup uh, between the Colts and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers get the best of the Colts in this one. 38-35 is the final score here. Both teams at this point are 6-7. and seven. Uh, For the Colts, offensively, they were led by quarterback Jacoby Brissett, who went 19-36 for 251 yards. He also threw for two touchdowns as well. Running back Marlon Mack would have a rushing touchdown. Wide receiver Marcus Johnson would have three catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. Touchdown. Wide receiver Zach Pascal would also have five catches uh, for 74 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, the Colts were led by safety Carly Willis, who had 11 total tackles, and safety Malik Hooker, who had 10 total tackles and an interception. On uh, offense for the Buccaneers, were led, of course, by quarterback Jameis Winston, who went 34-45 with 456 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions. He also run for a touchdown as well. Ronald Jones will be the leading rusher with 36 yards on the ground. Wide receiver Chris Godwin excuse me, will be the leading receiver with seven catches and 91 yards. Wide receiver Rashad Perriman will have three catches and 70 yards to add to, uh, and also a touchdown to add to that. Uh, Mike Evans would have a 61-yard touchdown reception. Uh, Justin Watson would have five catches, uh, five, sorry, five catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. And backup tight end Cameron Brate would have a receiving touchdown as well. On defense, the Buccaneers were led by uh, safety George Whitehead, who had nine total tackles, and also linebacker Shaquille Barrett, who had seven total tackles and a sack. Uh, moving on, we're going to uh, talk about an AFC matchup here. Uh, the Ravens uh, get another W against the Bills, excuse me, 24 to 17 is the final score here. Uh, the Ravens are now 11 and 2. The Bills are 9 and 4. On offense, the Ravens were led by Lamar Jackson, who went 16 to 25 for 145 yards, also three touchdowns. Uh, he also throw a pick as well. We also have 40 rushing, uh, 40 rushing yards. Um, the leading, the leading rusher was Mark Ingram with 50, with 50 rushing yards. Tight end Hayden Hurst would have three catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and wide receiver really Sneed and also tight end Nick Boyle will bring in touchdown catches as well. On defense, Baltimore was led by safety Earl Thomas, who had seven total tackles and an interception. Linebacker Matthew Judon, who had five total tackles and one and a half sacks. And as a team, Baltimore forced five total sacks. So a uh, good day for them to get after the quarterback. It came in, it came in uh, handy, definitely. Uh, for the Bills on offense, they were led by quarterback Josh Allen, who went 17 to 36. Uh, sorry, sorry, 17 to 39 for 146 yards. He would also throw a touchdown pass. Um, 
Devin Singletary, I believe, had 39 rushing yards, and Cole Beasley would bring in a touchdown pass. On defense, the Bills were led were led, excuse me, by Tremaine Edmonds at the linebacker spot with eight total tackles and an interception, and safety Jordan Poyer, who had 10 total tackles. Uh, in the NFC North, we had a matchup between the, the Vikings and the Lions, and the Vikings get the best of Detroit in this one, 20-7. The Redskins went on the road to Green Bay and took a loss to the Packers, 20-15. Uh, uh, the Broncos get an upset against the Texans, 38-24. That one surprised me. Up next, you had a very exciting game. I think the best game of, of yesterday, in my opinion. Uh, the Niners, uh, they get a the two-point they get a two-point uh, last-second field goal win against the, the Saints, 48-46 at the final score here. I'm not hating. I thought it was a good game played by both teams. Uh, the Niners move up to 11-2 on the year. The Saints are now 10-3. Uh, for the Niners on offense, of course, Jimmy G led the way for them with 26-35 passing for 349 yards. He also threw four touchdowns. He also would throw an interception as well. Emmanuel Sanders, the wide receiver, would throw a 35-yard touchdown pass. Yes, you heard that right. Emmanuel Sanders, the wide receiver, would throw a 35-yard touchdown pass. On the ground, the Niners were led by running back Raheem Mostert, who had 69 rushing yards, also a touchdown. He also bring in two catches for 40 yards and a touchdown as well. Emmanuel Sanders, outside of catching that touchdown pass, sorry, outside of throwing that touchdown pass, uh, would also catch a touchdown pass as well. And he also had seven total receptions for 157 yards. Tight end George Kittle uh, continues to prove that he is the best tight end in the league, in my opinion. Uh, he is. He had six catches for six. 67 yards and a touchdown, and wide receiver Kendrick Bourne uh, would have two receiving touchdowns as well. On defense, the Niners uh, were led by defensive back D uh, Richard Sherman, who had seven total tackles. Linebacker Dre Greenlaw had seven total tackles as well, and safety Jimmy Ward would have seven total tackles. For the Saints on offense, they were led by quarterback Drew Brees, who had 349 yards. He also threw five touchdowns. He also run for a touchdown as well. Latavius Murray, the running back, would have 69 rushing yards, and Michael Thomas uh, was a leading wide receiver uh, for both teams actually with uh, actually for the saints let me take that back with 11 catches 134 yards and a touchdown tight end jerry cook would have two catches for 64 yards and two touchdowns and trey Quan smith the second year receiver would have a receiving touchdown and also tight end josh hill would have a receiving touchdown on um, defense the saints were led by safety von bell who had 12 total tackles in the sack linebacker demario davis who had seven total tackles in the sack and also craig robinson at the linebacker spot who had eight total tackles and an interception. Moving on, we have an AFC North matchup between the Bengals and the Browns. The Browns get the best of the Bengals in this one, 27-19. We got the Falcons beating the Panthers 40-20. We also got the Panthers, I'm sorry, the Jets, excuse me, I don't know where I got the Panthers from. Uh, we got the Jets beating the Dolphins 22-21. to We also got the Chargers beating the Jags 45-10. to uh, We have an AFC matchup here between the Chiefs and the Patriots. This one did not go in the way in which I predicted. The Chiefs get the victory in this one, 23-16 is the final score. On the year, the Chiefs are now 9-4. Uh, the Patriots are 10-3. For the Chiefs, of course, they got led by Pat Mahomes on the offensive side. He went 26-40 for 283 yards. He also threw a touchdown and an interception. Running back LaShawn McCoy will lead uh, Kansas City on the ground with 39 rushing yards. Tight end Travis Kelsey would have a rushing touchdown. He also brings seven catches for 66 yards. And Nicole Harbin would have a 48-yard touchdown reception. And Tyreek Hill will bring in six catches for 62 yards. Tyron Matthew uh, will be the leading defender for the Chiefs with six total tackles. Uh, one, of leading receiver, one of the leading defenders for the Chiefs with six total tackles. Uh, linebacker Dan 
Damian Wilson would have eight total tackles. Uh, defensive end Frank Clark would have four total tackles and a sack. And defensive back Bashad Breeland would have an uh, interception. For the Patriots on offense, they were led by Tom Brady, of course, who went 19-36 for a touchdown. He would also throw for a pick as well. Running back James White would lead all Patriots running backs with 33 yards. Brandon Bolden would also run for a touchdown as well. And wide receiver Julian Edelman would have eight catches and 95 yards and a touchdown. On defense, the Patriots were led by cornerback uh, Devin McCourty, who had nine total tackles, and linebacker Jamie Collins, who had six total tackles. Uh, rounding out the rest of the scores in the league, the Titans beat up on my Raiders. I'm very mad about this one, 42-21. For what it's worth, though, Derek Carr did not have a bad game. He threw for two touchdown passes. Uh, there's no running game in this one. And also, I'm starting to see that we, well, the lack of wide receivers is starting to really, you know, not help us either. Um, and definitely, we need some help on defense because uh, the defense gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter. That game was relatively close. And, um, yeah, it was a terrible ending for our defense. Moving on, we have the Steelers here getting a win against the Cardinals, 23-17. to The Steelers are pushing themselves to the playoffs. Nobody really expected this one uh, with, a, with two backup quarterbacks. Wow. Uh, wow. Um, and finally... Uh, we had this, the Rams here getting a, getting a somewhat of an upset here. Uh, they will, they've been one of the top teams in the NFC West before, but they've fallen off this year. So this is somewhat of an upset here. Uh, they were able to beat up on the Seahawks 28-12. to uh, Russell Wilson threw a pick. No real rushing game to be to really speak of for the Seahawks. And uh, they gave up a whole lot of points. Well, not a whole lot of points. I don't think it was a, well, almost 30. It's kind of a beat down. For the Rams, uh, Jared, I mean, Jared Goff did not look super great. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, they also got a touchdown from Todd Gurley. He got some action going on the ground. And they played a pretty decent, they played actually a pretty damn good game defensively with the, the turnovers that they caused and just the overall just 12 points. Uh, they did not give a whole lot of yards to um, to Seattle as well. So a good game uh, last night from the Los Angeles Rams. They are looking to solidify a playoff spot for themselves as well. Uh, but let's move on to the NBA. Uh, no real news to go over here either. We are going to go over the scores from last night. Uh, we're going to start off with a uh, match between East and West. The nut, the Nuggets take a loss here to the Nets. 102-105 to is the final score here. The Nuggets are now 14-7 on the year. The Nets are 13-10. Uh, for the Nuggets, they were led by center Nikola Jokic who had 24 points, 11 rebounds, and six assists. Uh, Jamal Murray would have 21 points, five assists and three points. And four, Jeremy Grant would have 15 points and two assists coming off the bench. Uh, for the Nets, they were led by their two guards, Garrett Temple and Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Dinwiddie would have 24 points and eight assists and also four rebounds. Temple would have 15 points, six rebounds and also three assists. They also get help from their uh, center, Jared Allen, who had, who had 19 points, 11 rebounds and two assists. Up next, you got an East Eastern Conference matchup between the Hawks and and the Hornets, the, uh, the Hawks get the best of the Hornets in this one, 122 to 107. The Clippers, the Clippers, mm, excuse me, the Clippers beat up on the Wizards, 135 to 119. Up next, you got another Eastern Conference matchup between the Sixers and the Raptors. The Sixers get the best of the Raptors in this one, 110 to 104. Uh, the Sixers are now 17 and 7 on the year. The Raptors are 15 and 7. Uh, for the Raptors, they were led by Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry, who had 26 points. You also have six rebounds and five assists. OG Ananubi would have 19 points, 10 rebounds, and 2 assists. And Pascal Siaka would have 16 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. 
for the Sixers. Uh, they were led by four Tobias Harris, who had 26 points. They had, he also had six rebounds and three assists. And guard, the rookie guard, Matisse Thybulle, had 20 points, uh, also three assists and two rebounds. And Ben Simmons would also have 16 points. 11 rebounds and nine assists. Uh, moving on, uh, we also got the Bulls beating up on the, I'm sorry, the Heat beating the Bulls in overtime, 110 to 105. We got the Blazers taking another loss. It's time to the Thunder, 96 to 108. And finally, we got the Lakers here getting a W against the Timberwolves, 142 to 125. The Lakers are now 21 and three on the year. The Timberwolves are 10 and 12. For the uh, for the Timberwolves offense for the Timberwolves, excuse me, they were led by Carl Anthony Towns, who had 19 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. Andrew Wiggins would also help out with 19 points as well. He also had five assists to that, and also I'm uh, sorry, three assists to that, and two uh, two rebounds. And uh, for Josh Okogie would have. 18 points and four rebounds for the Lakers. Uh, AD had another 50-point game. He would also add seven rebounds to that, and as well as six rebounds. LeBron James had a pretty damn good game as well. 32 points from him, 13 assists and four rebounds. And uh, Alex Caruso, the shooting guard, would have six points and four assists and also four rebounds coming off the bench. All right, y'all. I'm gonna call it a wrap for today. Uh, my next episode, I'll be breaking down some college football. Uh, we will be going over the official playoff rankings. I should have went over them today. Uh, we had a whole lot to talk about, so my bad. I kind of it kind of slipped my mind. Uh, but we will be going over the, the playoff, the final playoff rankings, and also some playoff matchups. Uh, we were going over over all the playoff matchups, and then also uh, some of the more notable ball games as well. Uh, of course, we'll be having some NFL stuff to talk about over the week. Uh, we'll be breaking down my top eight power rankings, also some takeaways from week 13. Uh, as far as, oh, we still have some baseball to go over. Uh, we'll be going over that over the course of the week as well. I've been trying to bring up uh, trying to bring some news to you guys for that of course we are in the midst of the free agency period uh, we got to talk about some free agency signings uh, there and then of course uh, we have the world on the street that we got to get through so any news that comes up international national level uh, we, we will be talking about that through the course of the week as well and whatever uh, comes across uh, my plate I'll be giving breaking it, uh, breaking it down to you guys I also have another uh, another movie review for you guys last week I told you guys I saw uh, Knives Out I am working on that uh, review as we speak so look out for that one over the course of the week as well again if you're looking if you're looking to get in touch with me you can talk to me on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com that is eljbutler75 at gmail.com once again that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com eljbutler75 at gmail.com also have a facebook page for the show uh, also have a facebook page for myself and uh i'm oh, sorry instagram page for myself and the show and a Facebook page as well. You can look me up at L Jamal Johnny. That is E L J A M A. Uh, sorry, E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Once again, that is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Also, have a uh, Facebook page directly for the show at Never Out of Bounds. And I'm looking over the course of this week. I should have. Well, we have work, work, work. I've been working, so I'm still working on the uh, fa- on the the second uh, Instagram page for the show as well. I have a personal uh, Instagram page if you want to look me up there at El Jamal Johnny, but soon I'll be having an Instagram page directly for the show. So uh, look out for that. And um, 
I'll see you when I see you. Hear from me. You'll hear from me soon. And if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll holler at y'all later.